You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 226, Back to Basics. Generate ideas to find out what you have to say. With my Back to Basics series, I'm providing tools you can apply to your next project in hopes it will make the writing process easier and the final product stronger than ever so you can make an impact. Last time, we started by identifying a project's high-level elements, its topic, audience, purpose, and medium. After that, you can focus on the message of your project. That is, given your topic, what is this project's idea? You've got your topic. It's running, longevity, RV travel, cooking on a budget, stamp collecting, or social justice whatever it is you write about. Maybe you're known for this topic and it's what your brand centers on, or maybe you've been assigned this topic by an editor. Regardless, you start with a topic, but you don't stop there. You have to hone in on an idea, a narrowed idea suitable for this particular project and this particular audience. Your finalized idea will reflect the slant or angle you're taking that will provide focus and set your project apart from others tackling the same topic. It's tempting to latch on to the first idea that pops into our heads, and sometimes those are fresh and full of potential. Most of the time, though, if we want to write something that stands out, we had best send the idea through five phases. Generate, narrow, validate, revise, and then confirm or finalize. First, you'll generate ideas. You're about to hear lots of ideas for generating idea in this very episode, and I'll include links to a few other helpful articles and resources. You can test them out and find what works best for you. Next, you'll move into narrowing. When you land on some ideas with potential, you'll narrow them to suit your audience purpose and medium. You'll also find your unique slant. Then, validate. When it seems your idea has potential, you'll validate the idea, especially if you're launching a big project like a book. But even when you're planning an article or a blog post, it's smart to take a few steps to vet the idea, and I'll explain that in another episode. Revise. After that process, you'll adapt it based on the input you receive during the validation phase, revising and adjusting the idea as needed. Then the last phase will be to confirm your idea and finalize it so you can dig in and finally write. A five-phase process just to lock in an idea may sound like overkill and it may seem like it'll take ages, but you'll breeze through it, especially for short projects. And it's definitely worth it for longer projects because they'll come together more efficiently when you walk through these phases. So let's start with what it takes to generate ideas. When we begin our search for writing ideas, we start with ourselves. What are you drawing from to produce your projects? What's in you? What do you have to say? Our writing usually flows out of the person we are. The ideas we share are inside us. So writing about our past and drawing from memories, we can pull up ideas that formed us, challenged us, confused us. Using those memories as the centerpiece of a project, we can dive in to explore the meaning, the truth, 
the lies, and the message locked in our past. These ideas flow from the richness of remembering. So that's the first way to generate ideas, by remembering. The next is to generate ideas by living. We continue to add to our memories by increasing experiences. So another way to generate ideas is by living. The stories we tell, if nonfiction, are experiences we've had or observed in others or heard from others. Well, actually, if we write fiction, the scenes and ideas still flow from what we've seen, heard, tasted, smelled, from what we've experienced. Even mundane assignments start with our exposure to and understanding of the subject matter. To generate ideas, we have to live. To live well, we can make choices that take us places, switch things up, change our perspective, and widen our lens. In an interview with Linda Sievertson, Ann Patchett said her advice for writing something great is, quote, work on yourself as a person instead of working on yourself as a writer, end quote. She talked about a professor of hers, the late Grace Paley, who would load up the students and drive them into Manhattan to take part in a protest because, Ann said, Grace wanted them to experience life, make a difference, take a stand and fight for good. She wanted each of them to become the best person they could be. Her method was to introduce them to the world so each person would have new material, new ideas, new experiences. From that, presumably, these young writers would have something to say, something to write about. Anne continued, quote, Whenever anybody says to me, Can writing be taught? I say, Well, sure, I can teach you how to be a better writer. I can teach you how to write better dialogue or the importance of plot or narration or whatever, but I cannot teach you how to have something to say. And that's the heart of it. Do you have something to say? End quote. Ideas that mean something, ideas that change readers, are ideas that mean something to you, that changed you. And one way we can be changed is to step into the world and interact with new people, visit new places, and experience life. But we can take it one notch deeper, one layer more intimate and vulnerable. And Patchett continues, quote, Are you a person who is engaging with the world from the very center of your heart? And you're writing about something because you're trying to make a difference? That, to me, is great writing. End quote. Live life from there. Generate ideas from there, from the very center of your heart. And your words will make a difference and you'll have something great to say. So the next way to generate ideas is by noticing. No matter how much we experience, we need to pay attention to what's happening. We also need to record it somehow. By noticing and documenting life, we'll have a wealth of ideas to draw from. Engage the senses and pay attention to the world around you. Record what you observe. Reflect on its meaning. Try not to dismiss details like the small gesture, the faint scent, the peals of laughter. Note the temperature, fabric, lighting, colors, and space. 
If we intend to draw from that wealth of observation, we will want to preserve it somewhere, documenting what we've noticed. If you save scraps of paper, ticket stubs, and flyers, store them in a box or file folder. If you document digitally, type up thoughts and save those entries in your favorite space, whether that's OneNote, Evernote, Google Docs, a spreadsheet, or some other system. If you document visually, take photos and store those using a retrievable, searchable filing system with tags or file names that help you locate your inspiration. We draw from this raw material of life to generate ideas to use in our writing, and as we create, we find meaning. You can generate ideas also by reading. The best way to improve as a writer is to read, but reading is also a great place to find ideas. Just as an op-ed or a letter to the editor is written as a response to an editorial in the newspaper, you can write in response to something you read. Whether it's blog posts, magazine articles, news pieces, books, social media updates, whatever you read, short or long, online or in print, it can inspire ideas for your own projects. Now, don't write in that voice or style and be careful not to plagiarize in any way. Give credit for anything you excerpt or summarize. But when you read something, you may realize you want to refute it or build on it, expanding on their ideas. In this way, you can generate your own ideas from what you read. You can point to the source and creatively enrich the ideas from the original presentation with your own deep understanding of the subject matter. Or maybe you'll pull together five different ideas from five different sources to form one new thought, synthesizing them for your audience. Or maybe one small idea buried in one chapter of a literary novel inspires a research project for a nonfiction book of your own. So read and reflect on what you take in so you can generate more ideas. You can generate ideas by journaling. Many people have journaled their entire lives to capture daily life, thoughts, feelings, revelations, frustrations. Others come and go, abandoning their journals after a few entries. Some find simplified methods that suit their lifestyle well, like bullet journals and one-line-a-day journals. If you think you're not a journaling type, maybe you need to test out some variations to see if you simply haven't found one that works. So there are traditional journals, of course, and these typically contain the source materials of day-to-day activities, observations, thoughts, and emotions. If you don't keep one, this might be the time to begin so you have a place to start storing your ideas. Consider all the different types. There's high-end leather-bound journals, spiral-bound notebooks picked up on sale at the start of a school year, composition books, moleskine, one-line-a-day journals. Maybe you just haven't landed on the type of journal that fits with the way you think and operate. There are other ways to approach journaling that aren't necessarily even called journaling. In his TEDx talk, On his podcast and at his blog, storyteller Matthew Dix invites every person, not just writers, to document their, quote, most story-like moment from the day, end quote, for what he calls homework for life. So he takes five minutes at the end of each day and thinks back, what made this day different from all the rest? The idea is so simple. He writes a sentence or two. Sometimes it's just a string of words. And that brings back the memory from the day, that moment he chose to document. 
So you can do the same thing. Note the small discoveries, the daily surprises, those meaningful moments you don't want to lose. He keeps his in a spreadsheet, which makes it easy to search keywords and find connections and themes from year to year. Julia Cameron urges artists to practice the daily ritual of morning pages, writing three handwritten pages first thing in the morning. This practice can be an idea-generating goldmine because it taps the mind fresh from dreams before the world intrudes with its headlines and notifications and email onslaught. Then there's the writer's notebook. Writers often keep notebooks associated with a specific project to keep ideas flowing, sort through stuck spots, and chronicle the creative process. In these notebooks, ideas that don't fit in the work in progress can be stored and accessed later to contribute to the next big undertaking. Novelists pack their notebooks with lists that include descriptions, timelines, character notes, snatches of dialogue. Make a list of unfortunate events you can throw at your characters, and you'll have the makings of your next novel's plot. You can also generate ideas by brainstorming. Tap your natural curiosity and creativity during the ideation stage to generate, explore, and develop ideas for your writing projects. People use a lot of different tools to support the brainstorming process, but start with a brain dump to spill out every thought until you think you've hit the last possible idea you have ever had. After that, you can continue with other systems and approaches, asking questions like, what else? And what if we tried it another way? And what if I didn't have X tool? Keep tossing out ideas no matter how ludicrous, and just see how your brain dredges up long-lost trivia or memories and makes connections. These tools and techniques can support the creative process. Things like a whiteboard, post-its, index cards, mind maps, or clusters. You can also generate ideas by making lists, which is very related to brainstorming. Whether you're keeping a journal or meeting an article deadline, lists are quick ways to write during busy seasons. List everything you know about a topic, subject, or scene that you plan to write. This is kind of like a brain dump. Your list establishes what you already know and reveals what you have yet to find out. Thanks to the list, you can plan your research and fill in the gaps. List keywords and phrases associated with your idea because that can guide your initial research, which is going to reveal even more keywords and phrases that you didn't even know existed. Or make a list of the big ideas and subtopics you want to cover in a nonfiction book. This list can help you determine the angle your project will take and later You can convert this list into a working table of contents. Speaking of a table of contents, rough outlines and a working table of contents is basically a rough outline. This can emerge from a list or a mind map or a cluster. So this rough outline, along with the lists and notes you've taken so far, help you spot information gaps, like I said before. That's where you see you can develop your project further so it will be complete. Now, you can use the classic Roman numeral 123, ABC, 123, and those little I's to approach your organization of your outline. But if we're talking about rough outlines, feel free to just number things and keep it simple. It's nice to have a way to show levels and subheading ideas when you're tackling a longer project, but just do it in a way that makes sense to your brain. 
generate article headlines or chapter titles you'd love to tackle someday, and you've got an idea bank to draw from when you're ready for something new. So when you have a few minutes free, add to the list. And you can use templates to speed things along. Now, books often have a title and a subtitle. And when I'm working on a book, sometimes I make long lists of titles and long lists of subtitles, and then I mix and match. So I combine titles and subtitles. And in that way, I can emphasize an audience or a big idea in the book, depending on what I choose. For example, let's say I was writing about technology. So I might generate a list of ideas for the title like switch, flip the switch, power out, power off, power down, the power of powering down, and so on. So my brain would get going. But then I can start thinking of subtitles too, like empower yourself by powering down, or live your best life with less tech, or reconnect with family in an always-on world, or disconnect from technology to reconnect with family. So you see that some would emphasize living your best life, whereas others might emphasize family. And then I can mix and match them together, like the power of powering down, live your best life with less tech, or the upside to powering down, disconnect from tech to reconnect with family. Now, when it comes to articles, we use titles or headlines, and those often tempt us to click. Pay attention to headlines that grab your attention. And when you feel your finger hovering to click through, take note of the title and convert it into a template to use for your next headline. Even those clickbaity headlines can get you thinking, like how to blank in X days or minutes or hours could become your own working title, like how to generate an endless list of article ideas in 10 minutes a day. Or X ways to blank could become then seven ways to disconnect your kids and yourself from technology. Or X tips for blank the easy way. So then it could become three tips for growing tomatoes the easy way. Or nine tips for building upper body strength with nothing but resistance bands. Or you could do sort of a this or that and then ask a question about it like, Stencil or Canva, which design app do we recommend? Or Adidas or Brooks, which shoe is best for flat-footed runners? Now, another way to generate ideas is by writing. So if you're still not sure what you have to say or you want to say, or you're still struggling to unearth what lies beneath, well, writing can be the way in. Sometimes we start with nothing but a moment a memory snippet. And from what we can free write, we can use writing itself as a way to unearth what we want to say. Charity Singleton Craig writes in her book, The Art of the Essay, I read, listen, and write my way to discovery. I know Charity personally, and I know that she exhibits the trait of a curious creative, following an idea, statement, or detail to see where it leads. Charity shares Danny Shapiro's term for this approach, inquiry. In a 2018 interview right here on this podcast, Patrice Gopo said, when we're trying to understand what's happening in our lives or in the world, when, when we delve deeply into an incident to see its significance and why it matters, that's meaning-making on the page. 
Right without knowing where a thought is leading you or what theme is emerging, you don't have to know where you're going when you're in this discovery writing phase, but you have to be willing to go wherever the path on the page leads. That's this discovery process. Patrice says, quote, you're going to discover something new about yourself or new about the world or just new about the situation you're in, whatever it may be, end quote. And Charity says, quote, often our thoughts, opinions, and emotions are hidden when we begin. They surface as we write, our minds themselves serving as the subject of our inquiry. We investigate, ripple outward, end quote. I can set out with good intentions and a logical plan for my writing projects, but the curious creator in me often strays from the original outline to dive deeper and unearth more than I realized was available when I initially formed my plan. And that's part of the mess of writing, and it's part of the fun of generating ideas. So call it discovery or inquiry or curiosity. All I know is I'm grateful for this writing process that invariably leads to greater insight, understanding, and meaning. And that's so important now more than ever. You can generate ideas with research. To give you a sneak preview to the next episode on how to narrow and validate ideas, let's end with how research can help generate ideas. When we dive deep into a topic, we turn up information. Some of it's relevant, some of it not so much. But in the search, The information that wasn't so relevant may end up being gold for another topic. To research the book Seabiscuit, Laura Hillenbrand ordered vintage newspapers from the 1930s. And she explains that as she read about the horse, she, quote, happened to turn the paper over and find a profile of a young running phenomenon named Louis Zamperini. I started reading, she said, Louis had not yet gone to war, but his story was already so interesting that I jotted his name down in my Seabiscuit research notebook, end quote. Research for one project generated an idea for another. With the turn of a page, she landed on her next project, which would become Unbroken. Well, by now, you've got pages and pages of ideas to scroll through. Maybe you've stored them in a bullet journal. Maybe they're lined up in Evernote or Google Keep. Now you can pick one with promise. Read through the list and pay attention to one that catches your eye and holds your attention. Which idea would you enjoy living with for a stretch of time? Does one of these ideas make sense, given the brand you're building? Do you want to be known for this kind of thing? That's the one. That's the one. Now you're ready to narrow and validate. I'm Ann Croker, and I thank you for listening.